When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 379 of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Jill. Hi, Adam. How's it going? Good. How are you? Good. You're back from Las Vegas. I was in Las Vegas last week. I was, as I told you yesterday... (laughs) I'm going in a couple in uh, in November, so I wasn't super jealous. But, like every time you would post in your Instagram story, I'd be like, "Ooh, where, it was like where in the world is Carmen San Diego?" Pretty much. I was excited to see where you were. So yeah, um, Penn and Teller. Penn and Teller. <sighs> I was, that I'm not doing. I was super jealous of that. Yes, got to meet them. I've been wanting to see Penn and Teller live. I, well, I was supposed to see them eight years ago, and then it got canceled right before. Um, because Penn was on Celebrity Apprentice. I won't make my snarky comment on air. It but so, um Oh, it was so good. <laughs> yeah. Your Instagram story on that was my favorite thing ever. You can go so. find my Twitter to find that story. Mm-hmm. Um But yeah, so I've been waiting and so I haven't been back in eight years. Um so when we were planning this trip, that was the first thing I said was Penn and Teller. And um so two things. Yes, Teller does talk off stage. <laughs> I get I mean that has like come up. I've had like people who are not like very familiar with the act yeah. ask that and i'm like yes he talks off stage um because and i know that well from interviews and such like that but um at the end of the show they literally run off the stage out into the lobby and they're waiting and they will stay and wait and talk to everybody who wants to talk to them mm-hmm. and take pictures with all of them um so yeah i got to meet both penn and, and heller and chat with both of them very briefly. I mean, they're like good at this. They they've done it a few. They've times. done it a few times. Clearly, um, they've been working together for forty five years, which that is, is mind blowing to me. Yeah, they've been working together for forty five years. Um, so they're pretty good at getting through the crowds. Um, we were the second to last to see Teller, and I think it was like an hour. Mm-hmm. And Penn was had maybe like a handful of people left. Yeah. So. Um, they're pretty good but we sent so i went with my sister we sent the photos to my dad and he's like are those real pictures (laughs) (laughs) yes dad we met both of them (laughs) nope i photoshopped this tonight while i was at in vegas yeah so Uh, see so if you fun tip for people if you go to vegas like one of the things i love most about vegas is that if you see a show or a concert like if you were doing that at home that's like the big part of your night and that's it or is like if you're in vegas you go to the show, and then, like, when you leave that show, you're still in a casino. You're there. Correct. So I always tell people, I've gone to a few concerts there where, like, we'll do exactly what you guys did and, like, wait in line to meet the people. But we'll specifically be at the end of the line because normally at the end of the line, like, they're more willing to, like, talk for a little bit. So, like, I've ended up having, like, long conversations with uh, artists that I really like just because there was no one waiting behind us. And yeah. Like, yeah, I'll give you another five minutes of chatting. So, yeah, I was very jealous. But Yeah, good times. Yes. Okay, so... Good intro banter. We did it. Nice job, us. <laughs> um, today, we are doing our October books. So, impossibly, it is the end of September, which is wild. Yeah. And so, in case you're new, because I know we got some new followers on Instagram and Twitter and everything, uh, every month, Jill and I make our list of books that we're most excited about for the upcoming month. Uh, so, we're going to talk about October books. Uh, rules are simple. We don't tell each other about our lists ahead of time. We're just going to go back and forth. I'm just going to tell you right now, I have 15 books on my list. We're not going to get to all of them. Uh, so I'll put all the, I'll put all the books 
in the show notes. And then also there will be a, if you go to overdrive.com, we have a collection there that we just keep all of our stuff um, where you can see all of the, our, our picks of the month. So I, did you have a whole bunch today too? I have nine. Okay. I found myself having some that I was like, well, maybe Jill has these, but also I would just keep scrolling through the lists. And I was like, well, I kind of want to talk about that too. Yeah. So, um, I have several that are very spooky. And then I also have a lot of them that are like nonfiction memoirs. There's several that are out. I only have, I think, one nonfiction memoir, which you might have as well. But it's possible. That's okay. Okay. Um, all right. So you can go to professionalbooknerds.com. Find all of our Twitter, Instagram, at ProBookNerds there. Again, don't worry about writing these down. They're all in the show notes. You can find them there. And if you want recommendations that aren't in here, just shoot us an email, professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com. So I'll let you start because why not? Okay. <laughs> so I'm going to start with The Giver of Stars by JoJo Moyes. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I put this on this as, like, an ancillary, just to be safe thing. Um, oh, wait, I have 10. I totally did not highlight that one. Okay, so um, <laughs> I thought that was the paragraph for the Game of Stars. I was like, I don't need the description for it. Nope, that's a different book. Okay, so um, we I think we had, had a come up in conversation to give her stars. Um, we got arcs because we will be interviewing JoJo in October. Friday, October 11th. Thank you. Um, and so this is about the Pack Horse Librarians of Kentucky. Um, and for those who don't know, um, in during the like Great Depression era, like 1930s, 1940s, I forget what the book is actually said. Um, there were, um, up in Appalachia, there were um, women who volunteered to take books via horses um, up there. And the book is about the librarians and um, who work doing this and some of the individuals in the town um, in the area that they get to meet. And it was so good. It's so good. It's really, really good. It's really fantastic. And so I'm, uh, I'm very excited to talk to Jojo about it. Yeah. So I was just looking up while you were talking. If you go to beyondbookjackets.com slash Moyes, M-O-Y-E-S, uh, you'll see that looks like there's a few tickets left. Um, again, Friday, October 11th, nice little 7 p.m. Uh, it'll be a whole bunch of fun. I assume this one will also sell out like most of the ones do. Probably. So if you're in the Northeast Ohio area, beyondbookjackets.com slash moyes, you can get tickets. I was actually shocked that there's any left at the, this point. So it is. It's a really good book. And I have no doubts that it will open at the top of the New York Times bestsellers list, as most of her books do. Um, so let's see where Did I the other one? start. The other one from this the month that we're talking about? Yeah. I didn't put it on there just because I know it's good. Okay, Elvis Duran has a book coming out. Elvis Duran uh, is exceptionally famous. <laughs> you know who Elvis Duran is. He literally has like the top uh, morning show in the country every day um he's also coming to northeast ohio to the parma snow branch and you can also look at his event on beyondbookjackets.com because we're also hosting that one that said it is completely sold out um his book is called where do i begin and it's basically his memoir about like how he got to be who he is and that part's really really interesting but the part that i really loved is that sort of the second half of the book is where he talks about all his relationships that he's built with these um famous musicians that he's met and all these people that kind of like come and go from his life 
just while they're promoting their their new stuff and it'd be really easy for him to like just say okay tell me about your song and then go but he makes it a point if you listen to his radio show to have really kind of engaging conversations with these people and because of that he's built these awesome relationships with all these musicians so that part's really really interesting um again if you're in northeast ohio sorry that that one's completely sold out but yeah uh, elvis Duran also has a book coming out i didn't put it on my list here because i again i know he's probably promoting it on his own yes sorry i didn't mean show. to like steal your time no you can, you're you can do another one okay all right well thank you <laughs> um i was trying to figure out which one i wanted to do uh i have one you know i think you're gonna have this the library of the unwritten okay We'll go back. I'll let you no, talk you about can that. Do it. No, no, no. I have okay. plenty. Uh, Ninth House by Lee Bardugo. So, Lee is another person who doesn't need our publicity, but I feel like a lot of times you'll see an author who is massive and they release books and they're just like, oh, of course they're going to show up on the New York Times bestsellers list because of their name. So, um, but this book, Ninth House, has received five starred reviews, which is insane. Uh, so it's called Ninth House, and if you're familiar with Lee Bardugo, she's been on the show uh, a long time ago. But she writes YA fantasy, and, but this is her first adult book. And so it's all about this person named Galaxy Stern, who goes by Alex. And they're the most unlikely member of Yale's freshman class. Raised in, Los Angeles, in the Los Angeles hinterlands by a hippie mom, Alex dropped out of school early and into a world of shady drug dealer boyfriends, dead-end jobs, and much, much worse. In fact, by age 20, she's the sole survivor of a horrific, unsolved multiple homicide. Some might say she's thrown her life away, but while she's in her hospital bed, Alex is offered a second chance to attend one of the world's most prestigious universities on a full ride. But there's a catch. Uh, still searching for an- for answers, Alex arrives in New Haven, tasked by her mysterious benefactors with monitoring the activities of Yale's secret societies. Their eight windowless tombs are the well-known haunts of the rich and powerful, from high-ranking politicos to Wall Street's biggest players. But the occult the occult activities are more sinister and more extraordinary than any paranoid imagination might conceive. Um, I am only going to stress this because I've seen her stress it on social media all the time. This is not a YA book. This is a very <laughs> adult book. Um, but it is just getting all the buzz, and I'm very excited about it. So, so excited. Yes. So Secret Ninth House. Societies? Come on. I know. Yeah. Secret Societies and Occult and all sorts of dark stuff. Like I said, it's a good spooky season. So Ninth House by Lee Bardugo. I feel like I just spoke for a really long time. That's okay. That's okay. Um, let's see. What do I want to talk about? Ooh, okay. So somewhat spooky. Um, you, this is one I thought you might have on yours. Toil and Trouble by Augustine Burroughs. Oh, I super had that on there, yeah. <laughs> okay, so um, Augustine Burroughs, you know, writes memoir, essay type thing. So <clears throat> here's the description. Here's a partial list of things I, Augustine, don't believe in. God, the devil, heaven, hell, Bigfoot, ancient aliens, past lives, life after death, vampires, zombies, Reiki, (laughs) homeopathy, rolfing, reflexology. Note that witches and witchcraft are absent from this list. The thing is, I wouldn't believe in them, and I would privately ridicule any idiot who did, except for one thing, I am a witch. Yep. It's so good. (laughs) I'm so excited for it. I put this on hold on our li- at our library. I put like all of these books on hold, and all of them already had like fifty people waiting for them. So yeah, so um, yeah, he is apparently descended. Well, his mom told him he was descended from a long line of witches going back to the early to the days of the early American colonies, um, and that he and he has always known that he's sort of been able to do things he really probably shouldn't have. And I'm very excited. Yeah, it should be good. Yeah, I'm very very excited for that as well. Um, 
I just keep going with the spooky ones. Uh, the Twisted Ones by T. King Fisher. Awesome. Okay. So this, they're like the brief blurb describes this as the Blair Witch Project meets the Andy Griffith show. Sounds great. Uh, so when Mouse's dad asks her to clean out her dead grandmother's house, she says yes. After all, how bad could it be? Answer? pretty bad grandma was a hoarder and her house is stuffed with useless rubbish uh that would be horrific enough but there's more mouse stumbles across her step-grandfather's journal when uh, which at first seems to be filled with nonsensical rants until mouse encounters some of the terrifying things he described for herself alone in the woods with her dog mouse finds herself face to face with a series of impossible terrors because sometimes the things that go bump in the night are real and they're looking for you and if she doesn't face them head on, she might not survive to tell the tale. I am very into this. This just sound I d- just any kind of cabin in the woodsy type of a story. Mm. Just inject it right into my my veins, <laughs> especially during October. Okay, so I have The House of Brides by Jane Cockrum. So Miranda's life and career has been a roller coaster ride. Her successful rise to the top of the booming lifestyle industry as a social media influ- influencer led to a humiliating fall after a controversial product she endorsed flopped. God, I hate when that happens. Yeah, yeah, me too. Right there. Desperate to get away from the hate-spewing trolls shaming her on the internet, she receives a mysterious letter from a young cousin in England that plunges her into a dark family mystery. Miranda's mother, Tess Summer, a famous author, died when Miranda was a child. The young woman's only connection to the Summer uh, family is through Tessa's famous book, The House of Brides, a chronicle of the generation of women who married into the famous Summer family and made their home in the rambling Barnsley house, the family's estate. Okay, well, first, I'm already on board. We got this, like, <laughs> got some book and we got some, like, gothic mansion. From Gertrude Summer, a famed crime novelist, to Miranda's grandmother Beatrice, who killed herself after setting fire to Barnsley while her children slept, each woman in the House of Brides is more notorious than the next. The house's current bride is the beautiful, effervescent Daphne, her uncle Max's wife, a famed celebrity chef who saved Barnsley from ruin, turning the estate into an exclusive culinary destination and hotel. Curious about this legendary family she has never met, Miranda arrives at Barnsley posing as a prospective nanny answering an advertisement. She's greeted by the compelling yet cold housekeeper, Mrs. Minns, and meets the children and her uncle, Max, none of whom know her true identity. But Barnsley is not what Miranda expected. The luxury destination and award-winning restaurant is gone, and Daphne is nowhere to be found. Most disturbing, one of the children is in a wheelchair after a mysterious accident. What happened in this house? Where is Daphne? What darkness lies hidden in Barnsley. I love this because, well, okay, lots of reasons, obviously. (laughs) But I love this because, like, reading the description, I'm like, okay, so let's see. So there's, like, some Rebecca going on here. There's some Jane Eyre going on here. You know, like, kid in a wheelchair sort of reminds me of Secret Garden, like, with a bit, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I'm like, there's a lot going on here that is pulling from classic Gothic literature, and I'm here for it. It, uh, That sounds so, man. That is the House of Brides. Yeah, that sounds so good. Um, Let's just keep spooky. All right. I'm going to go with Imaginary Friend by Stephen Chbosky. So uh, Christopher is seven years old. Christopher is the new kid in town. Christopher has an imaginary friend. So basically what happens is single mother Kate Reese is on the run. She's determined to improve her life for herself and her son. Her son is Christopher. They find themselves drawn to a tight-knit community in Mill Grove, Pennsylvania. It's far off the beaten track 
and it's just one mile there's just one highway in one highway out and at first it seems like the perfect place for them to finally settle down and then christopher vanishes for six awful days no one can find him until christopher emerges from the woods at the edge of the town unharmed but not unchanged he returns with a voice in his head that only he can hear with a mission only he can complete build a treehouse in the woods by christmas or his mother and everyone in town will never be the same again soon kate and christopher find themselves in a fight for their lives caught in the middle of a war playing out between good and evil with their small town as the battleground again uh, something uh, young human being who's slightly off-putting very much like children of the corn kind of situation it's got to build uh, a creepy treehouse give me all of this I'm so excited that's Imaginary Friend by Stephen Chbosky who you might know from the perks of being a wallflower did not know he was also a horror writer which yeah. is exciting alright so The Library of the Unwritten by A.J. Hackwith Many years ago, Claire was named head librarian of the Unwritten Wing, a neutral space in hell where all the stories unfinished by their authors reside. God, I have a ton there. Okay. Her job... <laughs> I just, just that one sentence. There's just it's so much, like, so oh, many. Oh, yeah. Okay. Her job consists mainly of repairing and organizing books, but also of keeping an eye on restless stories that risk materializing as characters and escape in the library. When a hero... With capital H, all this. When a hero escapes from his book... And goes in search of his author, Claire must track and capture him with the help of a former muse and current assistant, Brevity, and a nervous demon courier, Leto. But what should have been a simple retrieval goes horrifyingly wrong when the terrifying angelic Ramiel attacks them, convinced that they hold the Devil's Bible. The text of the Devil's Bible is a powerful weapon in the power struggle between heaven and hell, so it falls to the librarians to find a book with the power to reshape the boundaries between heaven and hell and earth so there we go so we i was sent a copy of this i think from sourcebooks i think it's sourcebooks and i apologize if i'm getting the publisher wrong um i was sent a copy of it like in january or february which is why i think it's sourcebooks because it was so so long ago um i have specifically kept it on my desk waiting to read for october and i'm so excited it looks amazing was i wrong I think so, because I just got a sec- For some reason, they sent me two. Um, it is Penguin. Oh, right Penguin. House. Okay, my bad. Wow, good job, Penguin, for sending us the, that early one. They're usually closer to the release date. They are, we can keep which is probably in. why I end up with the second one. Somehow yeah. I end up like with the first one like months ago. Mm-hmm. I have two on my desk. We could probably just give one away, because yeah, we should just, two yeah, on my let's desk. Just, let's just do that. We're going to do a giveaway. I like it. Real time. <laughs> uh, okay, my next one is Tuesday Mooney Talks to Ghosts by Kate Reculia. Uh, this sounds fun as hell. It is, if you, where's the, they had a really fun way to describe this. Um, I'll just read the, it's a handsome stranger, a dead billionaire, a citywide treasure hunt. Tuesday Mori, Tuesday Mooney's life is about to change forever. Uh, okay. So basically what this sounds like to me, and I will read the description, is Ready Player One, but instead of for pop culture, it's Edgar Allan Poe and literature is where you get the clues from. So Tuesday Mooney is a loner. She keeps to herself, begrudgingly socializes, and spends much of her time watching old Twin Peaks and X-Files DVDs. I I think this book might actually be about Mallory. (laughs) Um, But when Vincent Price, spelled differently, uh, Boston's most eccentric billionaire dies, leaving behind an epic treasure hunt through the city with clues inspired by his hero, Edgar Allan Poe, Tuesday's adventure finally begins. And then it mentions out of the bottom that there's references in here from anything from the Westing game to Madonna to the Knights of the Round Table. 
I, it just it literally sounds like Ready Player One, but for literature nerds. Yeah. So that's Tuesday Mooney talks to ghosts, and I'm very excited to read that. So so much. My next one is The Gracier by Kim Liggett. I this is one of those books that I read so long ago that when it showed up, I was like, that book's not out yet. I did a double take because I was like, no, Jill's been talking about this for months. I have been talking about this for months because it's so good. Um, so The Gracier is about this um, society, basically, um, where the girls are treated as if there's this belief that the girls have like um, this like magic that comes when they turn, I believe, 16, but it's not a good kind of magic. And so they send the girls off when they're 15 to like this. They just sent off. Nobody knows where they go. They're sent off to deal with it and like get all this energy out. And then they come home and they're like the belief being that they're more like docile than they get married. And, you know, because sure. <laughs> so, um, uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> so. They, uh, so we, um, follow one of these girls when it's her grace year and she sent off, you find out they are sent to this like island basically where they have to fend for themselves. Um, and you know, in the beginning that not all of the girls come back. The ones that do are often in terrible conditions and malnourished and emaciated and all this stuff. And, um, so you find out what exactly happens and goes on during the grace year. It's sort of like the handmaid's tale meets the hunger games. It's. (laughs) What a good sentence. So good. I loved it. And I have been talking about it for months. So I'm I'm very excited that it's actually out and then other people could read it and can talk about it with me. Yeah. Okay. I have three memoirs that I'm just going to go through really quickly because um, they're, they're, you don't need to describe them a lot. Uh, the first one is Homework by Julie Andrews. So this is the second book in her kind of memoir, a little series here. Her first one was called Home and it was about her life growing up. This one is about basically her career in Hollywood. And I love an old-timey Hollywood memoir. So she talks about Mary Poppins, Sound of Music, uh, Victor Victoria. Um, so if that's homework, if you're a fan of Julie Andrews or like old-timey Hollywood, that one will be right up your alley. I'm excited for it. The next one is Janice by Holly George Warren. Uh, it's the basically biography of Janice Joplin. Um, so she's one of the kind of queens of rock and roll, and she has just an unforgettable voice and tragically died much earlier than she should have. Um, and so I, Janis Joplin was one of the people who I grew up listening to because I had hippie parents. Hi, mom and dad, if you're listening. Um, so that was in our household a lot. So I'm excited about that one. And then The Beautiful Ones, partially by Prince, because when Prince passed away, he was working on a memoir. And so the first, this book is broken up into fourths. And I'm going to recommend the audiobook because I was reading the description and it sounds really cool. So the audiobook is framed by editor Dan Pippenbring, who was working with Prince. And the first fourth of it talks all about, or sorry, the first fourth fourth of it is the part that Prince was writing himself. Um, So that's basically the memoir that he was putting together. The second part kind of goes through Prince's early years as a musician. And then the third part shows Prince kind of like evolving into this symbol, sort of like more than a person. And then the fourth section is his original treatment for Purple Rain, which I am super jazzed about. Um, So it just seems like a really unique take on uh, on a memoir, you know, partially in his own voice, partially in the voice of others. And then just the last part being how he originally wanted to lay out Purple Rain, which is one of his kind of groundbreaking classic pieces of art. So that's The Beautiful Ones by Prince. Again, those three are kind of just... I lumped them all together because they're famous people. Then you missed Bye. one. Well, you talked about 
the one. What else is there? Elton John's. Oh, okay. I saw. So I okay. <laughs> Confession time. I'm not a huge Elton John fan, so I pass up on that. So I'll let you talk about Elton John. <laughs> okay. Well, I know. I'm not a huge Elton John fan. I just. Okay. Well, Elton John has a. <laughs> I know. I'll let you talk about it. I didn't. I don't know. I, don't know what to t- I mean, it's Elton John's autobiography, memoir, whatever. It's called yeah. Me. I don't know what else needs to be said, but Elton John. Uh, I'm a huge Elton John fan. I think I first saw him in concert when I was in like seventh grade. And he, That's amazing. Like, he was one of my first concerts. Yeah, he. Uh, yeah, so I'm very excited for some Elton John. Love him. I don't have any qualms with him. I'm just not a huge Elton John fan, which Fine. is ironic because Fine. I just interviewed Ben Folds, and Ben Folds like his hero is Elton John. I'm aware of the weirdness of all of this. Ben Folds did an incredible version of Tiny Dancer, which is like my, one of my favorite songs. And of course, Elton John did that. But I just don't, not a huge fan of all his work. I don't dislike him. Like, it's not one of these, this isn't like a Holden Caulfield situation. <laughs> I'm like, it's fine. We're backtracking it's here. Fine. I don't like Benny and the Jets. I'm sorry. I just, oh, I know I'm sorry. Um, okay, let's switch gears. Uh, on a slightly more serious note, um, so Ken Follett, who. I adore, he did Pillars of the Earth, which I, is one of my favorite books of all time. Um, for people who aren't aware, Pillars of the Earth and a lot of his stories are about cathedrals. And so he wrote a short history of the meaning of cathedrals called Notre Dame. So, sorry, Notre Dame. Uh, so he starts this book by talking about when Notre Dame caught fire and what he was going through and he saw that and the emotions that uh, were kind of processing in him. And then he goes on to basically just write a history of Notre Dame about how the cathedral was built and, um, you know, where it came from and and what it means to the world. And again, if you've read Pillars of the Earth, you know how incredible Ken Follett is at talking about building of structures and, and things like that. So I don't have any like close spiritual attachment to Notre Dame or anything like that. I would have loved to have gone and see it and perhaps in the future when it's reconstructed a little bit i will maybe but just ken follett writing about cathedrals is one of my one of my kind of weird uh niche things that i enjoy so that's it for that one um let's see what do i have okay the topeka school by ben lerner so adam gordon is a senior at topeka high school class of 97 his mother jane is a famous feminist author his father jonathan is an expert at getting lost boys to open up they both work at a psychiatric clinic that has attracted staff and patients from around the world adam is a renowned debater expected to win a national championship before he heads to college he's one of the cool kids ready to fight or better freestyle about fighting if it keeps his peers from thinking of him as weak adam is also one of the seniors <clears throat> Who brained a loner, uh, Darren Eberhardt, who is, unbeknownst to Adam, his father's patient, into the social scene to disastrous effects. Definitely shifting perspectives and time periods, the Topeka School is the story of a family, its struggles, and its strengths. Jane's reckoning with the legacy of an abusive father, Jan- Jonathan's marital transgressions, the challenge of raising a good son in a culture of toxic masculinity. It is also a riveting prehistory of the present, the collapse of public speech, the trolls and tyrants of the new right, and the ongoing crisis of identity among white men. That sounds so good. Right? Sounds amazing. Um, I have The Secret Commonwealth which is the second book, sorry, volume two of the Book of Dust by Philip Pullman. Uh, so Philip Pullman is well known for his dark materials. 
It's coming out on HBO. I feel like I'm going to need to do like seven episodes of our podcast. It's all about that. So we're going to have to just figure that out, how we want to do that. Um, but the first book in the Book of Dust, La, uh, La Belle Sauvage, was a prequel to His Dark Materials, where it talked about Lyra as a baby and all these different things. And this book seems to be building off of what happened in His Dark Materials. So Lyra is now an adult and going through college. And the person that was integral in her surviving, La Belle Sauvage, is now a uh, professor at the college that she's attending. And um, I am just really interested. In I love this book series. I'm obsessed with it. So I'm really excited about this. And I'm also going to recommend the uh, audiobooks on this one because Michael Sheen does the narrating. Yeah. So that's The Secret Commonwealth, which is the volume two of the Book of Dust series by Philip Pullman. Yeah, I did not put this on my list because I knew you would have it. Thank you. Uh, my next one, <clears throat> oh my gosh, is How Rory Thorne Destroyed the Multiverse by Kay Eason. So this is the first in a duology that reimagines fairy tale tropes within a space opera. The Princess Bride meets Princess Leia. How did I miss this? I have no idea. Holy hell. So Rory Thorne is a princess with 13 fairy blessings, the most important of which is to see through flattering platitudes. As the eldest daughter, she always imagined she'd inherit her father's throne and govern the interplanetary Thorne Consortium. Then her father is assassinated, her mother gives birth to a son, and Rory is betrothed to the prince of a distant world. When Rory arrives in her new home, she uncovers a treacherous plot to unseat her newly betrothed and usurp his throne. An unscrupulous minister has conspired to name himself Regent, the minor, and somewhat foolish prince. With only her wits and a small team of allies, Rory must outmaneuver the regent and rescue the prince. Oh, my God. That's, 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 oh, I can't believe I missed that. No idea how that happened. Um, did you see the, I think you were in Vegas when it was happening, but the hubbub about people in Hollywood wanting to uh, redo The Princess Bride. Oh, yeah. Did you see Cariel's tweet about it? Oh, yeah. It? Yeah, so for, in case you guys aren't aware, there was some conversation in, in Hollywood about recreating The Princess Bride as a new movie because nothing is sacred in Hollywood. And Cariel's who uh, plays, you know, the Dread Pirate Roberts and Wesley, and he tweeted <laughs> a kind of a famous line from the movie. He was like, there's a shortage of perfect movies in the world. <laughs> It'd be a shame to ruin this one or something. It was so good. Yeah. Oh. And then there were all these like follow-up memes about like, this is like the one thing everybody in the entire world has agreed upon is the fact that we don't need. Yeah. <laughs> the one thing. The one thing everyone agrees upon. Yeah. Our world is uh, fractured and in shambles and no one likes anyone else ever. But everyone agrees. Everyone agrees. By rules. Yeah. Oh, man. That's amazing. Um, let's keep going here because we haven't been... I have two left. Oh, okay, cool. Um, so, ooh, let's. I'm gonna close it out with spooky. So I have a few more. Um, How we fight for our lives by Saeed Jones. Did you have this? I almost put it on, but I did not. Okay. All right. So this is a memoir, and uh, Saeed Jones is an award-winning poet and has this style that's like beautiful and powerful. And this is basically Saeed's memoir of. Growing up in the South as a gay black man. And so, I mean, don't really need to know too much more than that. But it's kind of their coming of age story. Um, again, they're in the South trying to figure out their own lives in within their family and the country and, and everything. And um, their poetry is incredible. But this is just their memoir. So How I Fight for Our Lives uh, by Saeed Jones. 
and it's a 2019 Kirkus Prize finalist. So, well, there you go. And it got blurred by Roxanne Gay. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so there's that too. There's that too. Um, okay, so I have on the memoir front, uh, Ordinary Girls by Wakira Diaz. So Diaz um, grew up in the housing projects in uh, Puerto Rico and Miami Beach, and she found herself sort of caught between two extremes. As her family split apart and her mother battled schizophrenia, she was supported by the love of her friends. As she longed for a family and home, her life was upended by violence. As she celebrated her Puerto Rican culture, she couldn't find support for her burgeoning sexual identity. From her own struggles with the depression and sexual assault to Puerto Rico's history of colonialism, every page of Ordinary Girls vibrates with music and lyricism. Sounds really good as well. I know. So Um, many good books. Nice. Okay, so I have The Never Tilting World by Rune Chapeco. Uh, she is the author of The Bone Witch, which is really, really good. And this is described as equal parts Frozen and Mad Max Fury Road. Uh, so, yeah, it's going to be a duology, and it's uh, basically the story. There's generations of twin goddesses have long ruled this world until one sister's betrayal split the world into two. There's a great abyss now that divides two realms. One is cloaked in eternal night. The other is scorched beneath an ever-burning sun. While one sister rules the frozen fortress of Aranath, her twin sister rules the sand-locked golden city, each with a daughter by their side. And now those young goddesses must set out on a separate, equally dangerous journey in hopes of healing the broken world, no matter the sacrifice it demands. Um, yeah, I, like the whole thing sounds really good, but when it was like, it's part frozen, part Mad Max, <laughs> I was like, okay. Buck wild description, and I'm in on it. So that's The Never Tilting World by uh, Rin Chibiko. Okay, so my last one, last one, oh my gosh, is uh, Christmas Shopaholic by Sophie Kinsella. Okay, y'all, I love the Shopaholic books. I feel no shame in admitting this. <laughs> they were one of the first audiobooks I listened to like 20 years ago because they're like, I tried listening to more sort of serious books, and I was like, I can't pay attention. Um, but the Shopaholic books are delightful i love them um and so she's back it's been a few years since we had a shopaholic book but now we have one and it's christmas time and um that's all you need to know mm-hmm. shopaholic and christmas yep. so you know she's gonna be doing lots of damage on her um credit card <laughs> that's like the one thing i remember is she would like freeze her credit cards she would like put them in a block of ice because she couldn't then like do like impulse shopping yeah she had to like really want to break it out of that ice in order to shop see here's the problem is I could make a joke about my wife and her spending right now. I won't because she finds good deals, but she does shop a lot and she'll admit that. But I couldn't freeze our cards anyway because she has them all saved on all of the online stores. Well, yes, this was 20 years ago. Yes, so exactly. It doesn't really matter, but <laughs> yes. Um, all right. I'm going to close it out with one more spooky one because it's October books. Uh, the Bone Houses by Emily Lloyd-Jones. This is Buffy the Vampire Slayer meets Sky in the Deep. Uh, for fans of Holly Black and V.E. Schwab, which I am of uh, both, it's historical, bewitching, and horror all wrapped up into one. Uh, 17-year-old Rin only cares about two things, her family and her family's graveyard. Right now, both are in dire straits. Since the death of their parents, Rin and her siblings have been scraping together a meager existence as gravediggers in the remote village of Colbrun, which sits at the foot of a harsh and deadly mountain range, which was once the home of the Fae. The problem with being a gravedigger in Colbrun, though, is that the dead don't stay dead. 
The risen corpses are known as bone houses, and legend says they're the result of dec- of a decades-old curse. When Ellis, an apprentice map maker with a mysterious past, arrives in town, the bone houses attack with new ferocity. What is it that draws them near, and more importantly, how can they be stopped for good? Um, yeah, I just this sounds really fun, and the cover is gorgeous. Um, so that's the bone houses by Emily Lloyd Jones. Feel like we just hit like twenty five books in a half hour. It was a lot. Yeah, sorry, we just ran you guys through. Yeah, thirty five minutes, like twenty five books. Wow, a lot of books. Yeah, Um, so all of that is very very exciting. Um, As you mentioned, Georgia Moy is Elvis Duran, and I'm actually doing um, one more event. Michael Connolly. Yes. I should have known. Yeah, I was going to say. All three of those are going to be at the Cuyahoga County. Uh, library, the Parma Snow Branch. So again, if you go to beyondbookjackets.com, you'll see, if you're in this area, you'll see all of their uh, awesome stuff. Uh, but you'll specifically see those three available there. So if you want to get tickets um, for JoJo and Michael Conley, those both have tickets right now. Elvis Duran is sold out. So, um, But I mentioned Stephen Chabosky. He's also coming on October 8th. Um, so there's lots of good stuff there if you're local to this area. Um, anything else you think people should know about? I don't think so. I don't think so either. No book clubs that we need to know about. I don't think so. Nope. All right, cool. Well, I hope you guys got some good recommendations here. If not, remember, you can always email us at professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com. And yeah, thanks for listening to this episode of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from overdrive.com, and our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen podcasts, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Adam Sokol and Jill Grunewald and presented by Rakuten Overdrive. For more information, visit professionalbooknerds.com. My name is Cindy Burnett, and each week I interview at least two traditionally published authors on my podcast, Thoughts from a Page. We talk spoiler-free about their books, so you can listen whether you have read the book or not. And then we delve into things that you most likely won't hear about anywhere else. The importance of the cover design, why they included various aspects of the story, personal details about both the books and the author's lives, and so much more. You can find the podcast on every major platform and learn more about it on my website, thoughtsfromapage.com. Thanks so much for checking it out.